But we're just so glad to be here. I want to I want to just tell you a quick little story I shared in the in the last service. Um, a couple of years ago at our church, we had uh, we had a three-legged dog show up uh, right outside, you know, before service began. And I mean, all the ushers, all the greeters, even people who didn't have a tag, a name tag on, boy, they just went for this little dog, and they were just just making a big to-do over it. They were getting the thing cookies and, and bringing it water, and I think they were feeding it donuts or something. I don't know, but they were just making a big deal over this little dog. And I said, man, this is great. If we, just, if we treated our guests like this, they would for sure be back the next week. And they would probably bring somebody with them if they got this good of treatment. So I, I told the congregation that day, I said, look, let's just treat our guests like we did that dog. I mean, y'all didn't... It didn't waste any time, you know, welcoming and, and being warm and being friendly and just really showed compassion on the three, little three-legged dog. And so, anyway, the next week, the little dog was back again. And the little dog brought a friend, brought another little dog with it. And so, you know, this works. And I know you guys are just, have just been really friendly to us, but I think if we could just... If we could endeavor just to, to do our jobs when we come to church, I mean, on purpose, you're not just welcoming the family, you're just not doing your duties as an usher or a greeter, but really people are making up their mind before, you know, when they get out of the car, before they get to the doors, they're making up their mind, what what's this church about? Am I accepted here? Are they friendly people? And y'all are, but I think if we could live with, you know, just more of a purpose about that, man, they'll, they'll come, they'll stay, and they'll begin to bring people with them. Right, just like the little dog did. And so just wanted to encourage you with that. And, and uh, man, I, I know that God has wonderful things for this church. And, and it's obvious that the hand of the Lord is, is on you. And he's doing great things. But, and I know you know this, and Pastor Mark and Amy believe this, that your best days are, are yet ahead. Yes. And uh, there's much influence that he wants to exert through you in this community. And in this state, and I believe that many lives will be touched and won, and uh, many families put back together and lives restored, and people have purpose deposited in their heart and really learn to enjoy and partake of life. Amen. Amen. And so uh, you ought to be thankful that you get to be a part of that. Praise God. Well, during worship, I I just had in my heart that maybe somebody here, I don't know if it's an ear infection or not, but the Lord... He wants to heal you, so really specifically, your right ear. It might be infection or just pain in your right ear. I don't know. Uh, other day, it was something on the right side too. But anyway, this is the maybe it's this side over. No, but if if you've got a pain in your right ear, maybe it's infection or something. Just lift your hand so I can see it. Anybody in here? I mean, I could miss it. I'm a man, but okay. Is it an infection or or do you know in both ears? Well, that'll work too. Um, anybody else? Can you come? Come up here. Anyone else? You've got pain in your right ear or both ears. The Lord wants to take care of that for you. Amen. Amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your healing power, your your anointing that destroys every yoke. And Father, we thank you that right now that this anointing goes into this lady right now, into her ears. We curse the infection and the pain right now in the name of Jesus. We command it to go. And we thank you that she's restored every bit, every bit in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord wants us to be well. 
doesn't he? He, he doesn't want us to suffer with sickness and disease. and uh, It's not part of his plan for our life at all, ever. He wants us to be whole so we can do his will. It's a lot easier to obey God and do what he's called us to do if we're feeling good. Right, and, and we're strong and healthy and wealthy, and uh, we can just do a lot more for him. Yes, Praise God. Well, I want to read a little story to you, then we'll get into the Word. And I uh, just had on my heart to, you know, this is not anything that's going to be uh, any big-time revelation to any of you. You've heard these things, I'm sure, but I, I believe that the Lord just wanted me to come to encourage you because I believe that he has a plan for everybody. And there's no, no such thing as an insignificant person that's living on this earth. He, is, he has created us all and put, put a plan and a purpose in every single one of us. And the, the wonderful thing about it is your tomorrow is so much brighter than your today. And what God has for you tomorrow is so much greater than what you're experiencing today. No matter how good it is right now, God has much better for you. And the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. And we're to go from glory to glory and from strength to strength and from faith to faith. And it just, every, every day ought to just be better. And every year ought to be better. And we ought to be growing. And people say, yeah, but what about old Job? You know, Job had it rough. Well, you know, most theologians think that Job's whole ordeal was about a year to 18 months long. And so, I mean, I've had a, a rough year or two in my life, but, you know, that doesn't predict what my future is going to be. God's got good for us, right? He's got good for us. I want to read you this little story, then we'll get into the Word. Not long ago and not far away, a nobody named Ordinary lived in the land of familiar. Every day was pretty much the same for Ordinary. In the mornings, he got up and went to his usual job. After work, he ate almost the same dinner he had eaten the evening before. Then he sat at his recliner and watched the box that mesmerized most nobodies on most nights. Sometimes best friend came over to join Ordinary in front of the box. Sometimes Ordinary went to his parents and they watched together. For the most part, not much happened in familiar that hadn't happened before. Ordinary thought he was content. He found the routines reliable. He blended in with the crowd and mostly he wanted only what he had. Until the day Ordinary noticed a small nagging feeling that something big was missing from his life. Or maybe the feeling was that he was missing from something big. He wasn't sure. The little feeling grew, and even though nobody's in familiar didn't generally expect the unexpected, Ordinary began to wish for it. Time passed. Then one morning, Ordinary woke up with these words echoing in his mind. What you're missing, you already have. Could it be? Ordinary looked and looked, and then he discovered that in a small corner of his heart lay a big dream. The big dream told him that he, a nobody, was made to be somebody and destined to achieve great things. Jumping out of bed and with a jolt of excitement, Ordinary decided he had been visited by the dream giver. Yeah. Amen. You know, God's a dream giver. He's not a dream destroyer. He, he's not looking to take something away from your life. He's looking to add to your life and bring you the most fulfillment that you, I mean, more fulfillment that you, than you have ever imagined. God wants to satisfy our life with good things. Y'all believe that? I mean, he just, he, he's, he's got a, a good life, but maybe you can identify with ordinary. I mean, maybe you've uh, thought of yourself as, 
as maybe insignificant and the part that you play and what you've done up to this point has just been very insignificant and really hadn't impacted anybody else's life, hadn't impacted the kingdom of God, hadn't impacted this planet that you lived on. Really, you just maybe you felt like you've just been taking up space uh, space and breathing everybody else's oxygen that's doing something. But I got good, good, good news for you. You're not a nobody. Amen. You've been created to be a somebody and to achieve great things. Y'all believe that? Yes. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in, over in 1 Corinthians, it says, Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow, the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. Well, the thing about it is, you and I, before we were in Christ, we were nobodies. We were absolutely bankrupt. Uh, we didn't have anything. We, weren't, we didn't amount to anything. We were bankrupt people. We were, our destiny didn't look too good. I remember, you know, before I was saved, I grew up in church from, you know, a, a young age and went to a Baptist church and went to Assembly of God church. Nothing wrong with those churches. It wasn't my fault that I didn't receive. I just didn't receive. But a Super Bowl Sunday, 1986, I was at a Super Bowl party doing what heathens do at Super Bowl parties. And it, we weren't having Bible studies. You understand? I mean, when the commercials came on, we weren't doing spiritual things. You know, some of you have Super Bowl parties at the commercials at churches. You have a little devotional thing. We weren't doing any of that. We were doing what heathens do at Super Bowl parties, drinking and other things. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> this this girl, friend of mine, walked in to the to the house there, and and she had a couple of friends with her, and, and she walked in, and I looked I, I looked at her, and I, I knew immediately something is different about her, and I, I just went to her, and I said, "What happened to you?" And she said, "Well, I gave my life to Jesus, I got born again." And I said, that's what I need to do. And I immediately left the party, got in my car, cried all the way home, and gave my heart to Jesus. And come to find out, my mom had been praying the week prior to the exact, and the Lord told her in seven days. She didn't know what it meant in seven days, but she was praying for me. She said, in seven days. And so it was seven days to the date that I gave my heart to the Lord. And Amen. And and from that time, I knew that, man, the the... You know, I, I tried all kinds of things. Man, I was, I got out of high school and I, I, I went to, I went a whole semester to college. Wow. A whole semester. I went to class for a week. And the rest of the, the rest of the semester I spent in the student union building, you know, drinking Cokes and eating potato chips or whatever. But when I got born, then I went from there and I was going to be an electrician. So I started going to electrician school and then I, I worked for a mechanical contractor. And man, none of this stuff just satisfied me. Matter of fact, I dreaded it every morning. And then I said, well, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I'm going to go into the, I'm going to go into the Air Force. And so I went down, I began to take physicals in my entry exams and I got accepted and I was on my way to the Air Force. And then thank God, nothing wrong with going, <laughs> but nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with going into the military. But if that's not what you're supposed to do, that's not what part of the plan of God for your life. And so, but I got born again. And I knew from that time, man, I'm supposed to be a preacher. I can't believe uh, uh, none of none of my high school friends are going to believe this. They're not. They're not. They wouldn't come to hear me. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have any respect for me. They wouldn't have any confidence. But you know, since that time, I've had people that I've gone to high school come to our church. Amen. They couldn't believe it. They found out I was a preacher. You're a what? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, God had a, he had a plan. He had a dream. And it far exceeded anything that I would ever think. I mean, some, now, I don't tell this to many people. I've told it to our church. But uh, I don't even know if I told Mark, but I took, I took my sophomore English class three years in a row. Because a big portion of my grade consisted of me having to get up and give an oral exam or oral presentation to somebody. And I tell you, I would just get sick. I would be so afraid to get in front of people. I mean, I, by nature, I'm really shy. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really shy, but I would not get in front of people and talk at all. And so I failed my, uh, my sophomore English two years. I had to take it three years. Finally, they just let me out. As a matter of fact... <laughs> Matter of fact, I didn't go to my high school graduation. I didn't think that I graduated from high school. And so I was getting ready to go into the Air Force, and so you either, need, you either needed a high school diploma or you needed a GED. So I said, well, you know what, I'm going to just call the school. It was in the summer. I'm going to just call and just kind of see where I am with all this. And, and so I called during the summer, and actually the principal answered the phone. He said, well, Chuck, we've had your diploma down here for two years. I graduated from high school. Didn't even know I graduated from high school. And uh, but said all this, say this. It doesn't matter what your past has been. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what, how far you've reached, what you've done. If God's got a plan for your life, He's got a purpose for your life, and He can take a nobody and make them into somebody. He can. He can exceed your wildest dreams. Amen. He can, he can just do things that's beyond your wildest dreams. And I know that he's not even done yet. Amen. So it doesn't matter where you've come from and what you have done, what you haven't done, what you wish you would have done, what everybody else has done. God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you, and he will lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. Amen. The Bible says this in uh, <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I have good plans for you. Everybody say that. Say, God, God has good plans, good plans for, me. for me. Do you believe that? Yes. He's got good plans for you. Not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. A good future. And it, it just gets better and better. Psalm 139, verse 15 and 16. He says, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from, conce- from con- conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Isn't that amazing? God, God knew us from the foundation of the world. You're not an accident. Even if your parents didn't plan you, you're not an accident with God. Right. Amen. Amen. He knew that you were going to show up. And he had a plan for you. Even before you showed up. All the days of your life were spread out before him. And uh, all prepared before you had even lived one day. So you're not going to catch God by surprise. Right? And your life doesn't catch him by surprise. He's got it figured out. Ephesians 2 says this. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew that we might that we may do those works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. 
I believe in predestination. Amen. In this sense. God's got, he's got some things laid out for you. And it's a good life. It's not a bad life. It's not a, a life that's in a downward spiral. It's a good life. A life that He's destined you and I to live. A life of uh, purpose. I mean, a life that's full of hopes and full of dreams. Amen. He's the dream giver. And how many of you know also... Well, let me just ask, how many of you believe that God's got a dream for you? He's he's got a plan. Everybody you you want to call it, dream or plan, he's got something for you, a purpose for your life. He has it. Y'all believe that? Well, how many know also that there are dream busters in life? I mean, the devil's a dream buster. Your your family can be a dream buster. Your friends can be dream busters. They they could tell you, oh, that can't be done. You can't do that. You you know, you're, you're just not cut out for that. Uh, but they're dream busters. The devil's the big one. He is he is referred to in Revelation as the accuser of the brethren. He's always bringing your name up before God, and not in a positive sense. He's always accusing you to the Father, talking about your failure, talking about your past, talking about your shortcoming, constantly accusing you, and then he will accuse you to you, won't he? Uh, you know, he'll he'll just he'll let you know constantly how you don't measure up and why you can't do what you have in your heart to do because of your past. Here's the wonderful news: is your past is not a prophecy of your future. Amen. Your past is not a prophecy of your future, but what God has done in the past for others who failed Him, like Moses, like David like Peter who denied him on three occasions, like Paul who was a persecutor of the church and like millions of other people who've gone before us, what God intends and what God has done in the past is his intention for you in the future. So no matter how many times you've blown it, no matter how many times you've failed, there is redeeming grace in God. Amen. There is redeeming grace. He will redeem you. He will restore you. He will put you back on path. He will put you back on track. Amen. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. That that no matter how far you've drifted, God can get you back to where you need to be. Praise God. And so, but the devil, he will accuse you. He he will he will he will tell you all the time that you can't do this, and he'll continually point to your past. Do you remember what you did? You say, well, that was a long time ago. Okay, okay, do you remember what you did an hour ago? (laughs) Do you remember that? Hey, you you know, you didn't walk in love with your wife. or You know, you got in an argument or you you made a face at somebody. I I know one time we were, uh, you know, the pastor, you really need to control yourself in public. Especially in your own community. And so uh, Tammy and I were driving and... In our own community. And I don't know if a lady pulled out in front of me or I, maybe I pulled out in front of her. And boy, she was, she was telling, you're number one. But it wasn't that finger. Yeah, yeah. And, and she, was, she was shouting all kind of praises my way. Right. And, uh, and I just went. Tammy, she slapped me. She said, you can't do that. You're a pastor. Well, you know, the devil can use things like that against you. 
and not that he has, but I mean, you know, he can take things that you've done and try to use it against you. He'll look you not, not that you should do that. I mean, you, you shouldn't do that. But, uh, <clears throat> he'll, he'll accuse you, and he'll, he'll bring up the past constantly. Anybody in here got a past? Anybody here have anything that the devil could accuse you of? Well, we do, but thank God it's under the blood. But what did Paul say? What did Paul say? He said, forgetting, forgetting those things which lie behind in the past. Forgetting those things and pressing forward, pressing toward the mark of something else. Going for something else. If you're always looking in the rearview mirror, you're not going to get to where you need to go. And the devil is endeavoring to get us to keep looking in the rearview mirror, looking at our, our failure, looking at our sin, look at our weakness, because if he can keep us looking backwards, we can never move forward to what God has for us. Our mind will just be cluttered, and we'll always be thinking, we'll be in the state of condemnation, and our faith in God's not going to work. We'll think God's mad at us. God has no confidence in, it, in us. Amen? And so he's an accuser. He's an accuser. Praise God. I was just thinking of something really good, and I just lost it, but it come back in there. Amen. So we're not going to let him accuse us. We're not going to let him accuse us. He, uh, as much as he tries, the Bible says, the Bible, talk, you know, in Hebrews talks about the blood of Jesus and what uh, God has done. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Any thought of failure, any thought of weakness, any thought of defeat, does not come from God. I don't care what it is. Any thought of failure or defeat or not succeeding or not making it or dying early or not getting your healing or not getting your prosperity, any thought of, fa- or of failure or defeat comes from the devil. It comes from him. He is the source behind it. And how many of you know he is a known liar? He's a liar and the father of lies. And so, you know, he can't pull it off if you don't give him the permission to pull it off in your life. Amen. Praise God. Uh, in Hebrews, the, uh, the 10th chapter, notice what God says about your sin and your past. Because I believe this is crucial for you to fulfill the dream that God has for you. You've got to know that God's not mad at you. You've got to know that God's not upset with you at all. He's not aggravated. He's not put out with you. He hasn't lost his patience with you. He, you, you he's, not, you're not, he's not at his wit's end concerning you. Amen. Amen. He loves you. Amen. He loves you. No matter what you've done, but he loves you enough to not, to not leave you where you are, but he loves you. He's not mad. Everybody say, God's not mad at me. Mad. I mentioned this in the last service that we had a, a man in our church who had been uh, tried to quit smoking for about 30 years. That's a lot of smoking. <laughs> he drank coffee too. <laughs> and, uh, and he had tried to quit and tried to quit and tried to quit. And, you know, uh, smoking, God's not mad at you if you smoke. It's just a, it's a habit. But he's not mad at you. But this man, he wanted to quit. He really wanted to quit. So he tried and he tried and tried. And um, I, I was preaching along these lines of your righteousness in Christ. 
And God's not upset with you. He's not mad at you. He's not put out with you. He's not angry with you. Uh, he's not looking for an opportunity to, to judge you and condemn you. And so I was just preaching along the lines of righteousness. And this man, he got a revelation that God really loved him. And God wasn't upset with him because he smoked cigarettes. And the moment he got that revelation, he was set free. I mean, that, that day in that service, he was set free from cigarettes. Why? Because when the condemnation comes off of you, your faith is free to operate. When, when the condemnation lifts from you, man, you, you've got faith and confidence toward God. You've got faith and confidence in his love. Amen. Amen. And, the, and, and so I mean, immediately he was set free. There's so many Christians that live under this sense of condemnation that God's angry with them, that God's put out with them. I don't care what you've done. God's not angry with you. He's not put out with you. That's good news. Notice this in Hebrews, uh, the 10th chapter, and uh, verse 12, it says, But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies were made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever. He has perfected forever. How many of you in here are, in here are perfect? Oh. You know, I know Mark is because the scripture says, Mark the perfect man. <laughs> no, by one offering, by the offering of himself, by one offering, he has perfected forever. Perfected forever. He goes on to talk about what, you know, the Holy Spirit... Uh, is saying, and then in verse 17, he said, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. And if there's no longer an offering or a sacrifice for sin, there is no longer a remembrance of sin. If there's not a remembrance of sin, there's not to be a consciousness of sin. We shouldn't live with a sin consciousness, thinking, you know, always weighed down by sin and thinking about how we miss God and thinking about how we failed God. We're not supposed to live like that. Jesus dealt with sin. There is not a sin problem. It's just folks that haven't received Jesus. He dealt with sin with the sacrifice of himself so you could be free from condemnation. And now that you're free from condemnation, your faith in God is able to work and you can pursue your dream wholeheartedly, the dream that God's put in your heart wholeheartedly. I mean, nothing blocking it. Amen? Except the devil and we can, we can deal with him. He's easy. And so, uh, anyway, let's talk about this dream because, you know, uh, uh, he, he's deposited a purpose and a dream in the heart of every single one of us. Now, if you're anything like me, sometimes... Things can get a little obscure. Things can get a little bit cluttered. And things can get a little bit cloudy. Uh, you know, you can, I know like, you know, some, you know, pastors, we're, we're always looking for things. How do we minister better? How can we be more effective in the church? How can we reach more people? And so you can, you pray about it. Boy, you get some things burning on the inside of you. And then you go, let's see what this guy has to say about it. And then let's read and see what this guy has to say about it. And let's see what they have to say about it. And before long, man, you've got a lot of mixed things coming into you. Nothing wrong with reading and gaining insight. But there's really one person you need to hear from. In your life, in a church, in your business, there's one that you need to hear from. That's God. 
because he knows he knows just how you tick and he knows just how it's going to work for you but you can get all this information coming in and before long you can just be cloudy in your thinking there can be all kinds of things going on on the inside of you and i mean your mind can become like one of your closets at home cluttered right and you can just have a whole bunch of stuff in there and you go to look for Man, where's that coat? You go to look in the coat, man, you open the door and you get buried by all kinds of other stuff. Well, because you've you've allowed things to get cluttered through procrastination of not doing what the Lord has dealt with you to do today. And and so let's put off what he said today. Let's put it off tomorrow. But how many of you know tomorrow never comes? And then before long, you're a month down the road or or you're a year down the road and you're, you're seeking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Same thing I told you to do a year ago. Well, I don't even know how that's connected. How's that even connected with, you know, I've got this picture in my heart, I've got this dream in my heart, and how in the world is what you told me a year ago, what does that have to do with that? You know, we may never know, but obviously it has something to do with it. He wouldn't tell us to deal with it. The Bible talks about laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Or entangle and entangle itself around our feet and trip us up. Deal with it. I know not long ago the Lord began to deal with me about laying aside some weights. Weights aren't necessarily sins. Sometimes weights are just things that don't profit you. Sometimes weights are just things that distract you from giving your full attention to what you need to be giving it to. And so the Lord began to deal with me about that. And I thank God I made some changes. But I mean, there's been other times in my life that I haven't been real quick to make the change. Right. Well, you know, because it's just sports. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just my hobby. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's nothing. It's not really a sin. Yeah, but if the Lord, and he's not trying to take it away from you forever. But if there's something that you need to be focused on right now. Instead of the whatever, well, then you just need to trust the Lord and do it. Because he's got, he's got our best interest at heart. Amen. And so our mind can become cloudy. It can become fuzzy. Notice this scripture in Proverbs 19. It says this. Proverbs 19, 21. <clears throat> said, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Now, just because you have a plan doesn't mean it's God's plan. Right? How would you know that you're on to, on, on to God's plan? How would you know that you're in pursuit of his plan and his dream? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, you would have a good witness in your heart about it. I mean, it, it would just... There would be something that just resonates on the inside of you. It sits well, and not just today. It sits well tomorrow. And it seems right a week from now, and it seems right a month from now because God just doesn't change as much as we change. Right? And so how would you know that you're, you're pursuing His plan? Well, there's a witness in your heart. It just it seems right for a long period of time. Right? I mean, it's just, you know, because I can get excited. I can get really excited about something for a day. And I can get really excited about something for a week. 
But if, it, if, if the excitement only lasts for a week, it's probably not God, or if it is God, I'm, I've just got distracted and got my mind on something else. But if it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. And it'll be God a month from now. And he that believes, he that trusts the Lord, he's not being hasty with his decisions. I know this, you know, in pastoring or dealing with folks who are engaged or wanting to get married. And, and we've seen some of these, these younger folks, man, they're just rushing. It's like, man, they're trying to slip something in and, and, and tr- let's get this done before somebody changes their mind. Or, and, <laughs> and you're, hey, what, what's the hurry? Well, you know, we're getting up there in years. Yeah, you're 25. What, what's the hurry? What's the hurry? And, and they're, they're, they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing. And a lot of times these things just don't end up too good. Right. Why? Because they're, they're being hasty. And, and the fact that you're being hasty is a good indication that you're not confident with what you have in your heart. Because if you're trusting God and you're believing God, there's a peace that's associated with it. There's a peace and a settledness, and man, you know, all right, it's going to be, and even if it's, this isn't the Lord, it, whatever he has for him is going to be much better than this, and so you're patient, right? Amen. And so we need to be careful. So there's many plans, many plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's counsel will stand. So how do we sift through all the plans? How do we sift through all the things that we want to do or the, all the things we think we want to do and get down to the, I mean, get down to the real deal, the Lord's purpose. You've got a good witness in your heart. That's one indication. Uh, another indication is this, uh, that whatever God's purpose for you and plan is, if it doesn't go beyond you retiring at 40 and sitting next to the pool all day long drinking fruity drinks, if that's what you think that it is, you're probably on to the wrong thing. Because God's plan for your life has eternal significance. It is to bring eternal impact into someone's life or people's lives or a whole community or a whole nation or the whole world. God's plan for our life is to affect more than just us. And so a lot of times these, these, these selfish ambitions of me retiring at this age and just doing nothing... Well, that can't be God because God wants you to do something for him until the day that you breathe your last. And that ought to be a really long time. Because he's going to satisfy us with long life. So he, I mean, you might retire from your your job, but you don't retire from doing something for God. Whether it's just coming in and, and ushering or greeting people, you're always doing something for the Lord. Until the day you go to be with Jesus. Right? Amen. And so... Let's work through this clutter. Let's work through all the haze because there's all kind of things that can come up. Personal ambition, uh, just pers- personal desires, personal dreams. And, and those, I mean, those in and of themselves might be fine. They might be great. But is that the plan of God? Is that God's dream that he put in your heart? Because God's dream is more about him than it is about you. Right. God's dream for your life fits a, it's just one small piece and a much larger puzzle. It's a, it's a small plan and a small dream in his overall huge dream. Amen. So, uh, here, let me read this other scripture to you and we'll, we'll get to this. In Proverbs 20 verse 5 says this, counsel, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. 
So, you know, you don't have to decide what you're going to do in life. You don't have to come up with a purpose. You don't have to decide what your dream is. You just discover what God's already put on the inside of you. Right? You, you discover the, the when you were conceived, God seeded a dream into your heart. And so, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I had to call my mom and ask her, did I ever talk about being a preacher when I was... When I was young, she said no. And I said, okay, well, that's not going to work with my illustration then. But, uh, you know, but a lot of times kids at a young age, they're, they're aware of something. Uh, they're aware of something in their heart. They're aware of a, a dream. And a lot of times these, these kids, they grow up and they do exactly what they said they were going to do when they were at a young age. I'm not saying that's the case all the time. But God seeded something into your heart at, con- at conception, right. something that he had planned before the foundation of the world. But when you were conceived, he put it into your heart. And then over the years, you're either aware of that or you can become less aware of that. And depending on your surroundings, what you've given yourself to, I mean, when you started your relationship with God, I mean, it could be any number of factors, but how do you draw it out? Because it's there. So I don't feel like I've got a dream. You've got one. God put it in you. So how do you draw it out? Number one, you just believe that God's got something for you. That he's got something for you and what he has for you will exceed your wildest imagination. Well, maybe that's not a good word, wildest imagination, but it'll exceed anything that you've ever thought. It'll go beyond. I mean, sometimes I am in amazement. I'm amazed at what God's done. Man, I failed. my. I took 10th grade English three years in a row. And I went, to, I went to college for a semester, went to class for a week. And, man, I'm, and sometimes I'm like, wow, how did the Lord do that? And I'm not suggesting you do what I did. I mean, I wasn't living for God. But um, the Lord can, uh, I, sometimes I'm just amazed at where the Lord has brought me. Yes. Right. Amen. And knowing that, man, there's a lot more ahead. There's, there's much more ahead. And he's got that for you too. So how do you draw it out? You believe that he's got something for you. You just believe that he has seeded a dream into your heart. He's put a purpose in you. He's put a plan in you. You believe that. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you you can just make a choice, but it would be good just to read like Jeremiah 29 and meditate on, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to hurt you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Just meditate on that. Meditate on these things. I mean, let them, let them just get down on the inside of you until, you, man, you start agreeing with it, start believing it. And then number two, you've got to find a time to, to get quiet because there's, there's many voices. I mean, the devil will talk to you. Uh, friends will talk to you. Your flesh will talk to you, Right? And try to talk you out of the dream. Try to talk you out of from pursuing the dream. And so you've got to find a time just to get quiet. Get your mind quiet. Right? And so as you do, and, and, and one the great way that I've found to do that, of course, you can pray and pray in the Spirit. But one of the greatest things that I've, that I've found that works is, man, just spending a lot of time thanking God and praising God. I'm not talking about walking through the house and cleaning up the house and doing dishes, but find a time just to sit down, just you and God. I mean, you, you know, like Mary did with Jesus. She set his feet and, and heard his word. Just find a time just to get before God and just worship him and spend time in his presence. And as you do, you'll find that all this clutter, 
all this clutter and all these thoughts and all these voices, uh, it, they'll just begin to fall away. And, and things will begin to quiet and emotion will subside until there's no emotion at all in manifestation. Man, you're just you're there with God and the vision and the plan and the dream begins to take on shape and form and it begins to illuminate your mind and your understanding and you begin to see, man, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. This is this is my purpose in life. This is what God has for me. You're not going to see it all at once, but as you do this day after day, you'll become aware of something bigger than you. You'll become aware of something bigger than you. It, it'll just, man, you, and, and I know for me, sometimes you walk away from that and then you let two days go by and you man, did I really? Was, was that? He said, no, that was God. Because you can't think this stuff up. Right? You can't just think it up. And so God begins to stir that dream on the inside of you, stir the plan. I mean, just stir it up. You could be like a soup. Sometimes you got to stir the bottom of the pot. You got to get things churning a little bit, right? And so the plan will begin to come up, and all the other stuff will just settle. And all that's left is His counsel. All that's left is His plan. So you draw it up by faith. I mean, just worshiping God, praising God, giving thanks to God, and doing it for more than five minutes. Doing it until your mind is quiet. Anybody else? I mean, thoughts go through your mind? Well, sometimes they don't go through mine. Tammy will ask me, what are you thinking about? I say, nothing. And she said, how in the world are you thinking about nothing? And I probably am thinking about something. I just don't know what I'm thinking about. She said, well, what are you thinking? No, I'm not thinking anything. She said, I'm always thinking something. How are you not thinking anything? Well, you just, but sometimes you just got to get it quiet. I'm not saying that's what I do when she's asking me that, but you've got you to get quiet on the inside. And I'm not saying you're going to hear a voice. I'm not saying you're going, you're going to have a, a, a vision. I'm not saying that you're going to have any kind of physical manifestation, but something on the inside will begin to rise up on, on, in you. The plan of God, the purpose of God, God's dream for your life will begin to come up and you'll be made aware. And you say, man, this is it. This is it. This is what I was born for. This is what I'm breathing precious oxygen for. Amen. This is what I'm taking up space for. This is why I'm in this church. You know, God's got a dream for this church. Amen. He's, got a, he's got a plan for this church. And, and, and so much of the time, and Pastor Mark will share some of this at the end of the service because he says it much better than I could say it, but so much of the time that, you know, what, what God has for us individually is to be joined to other people to do something corporately. And so he brings us together to do something bigger than we could ever do by ourselves. Can you say amen? Everybody say, God has a dream for me. He is meant for my life to be significant. I mean, significant impact in somebody else's life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, we worship you, and we do thank you that you've got a plan for us. You've got a dream that you've seeded into us, and we thank you that you're working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure, and you will perform all the good pleasure of your will in our life. We believe you to do that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for anybody in here who's never made Jesus the Lord of their life.